Our reading today is in the Old Testament in Kings chapter 19, verse 11 through 13. And he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rock before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? This is the word of the Lord. I was reading about this guy named Bernie Krause who records nature sounds for film and television. And he was saying that in 1968, in order to get one hour of undisturbed natural sound, like no airplanes, no cars, it would take him about 15 hours of recording time. And he was saying that today, in order to get that same one hour of undisturbed sound, it takes him 2,000 hours of recording time. It reminds me, of the story of one of the great Jewish prophets, Elijah, who's been going and going, and he's just about at the end. I mean, he's just totally stressed, just totally fried, and doesn't even know if he wants to go on. And God says, Elijah, go up on the mountain because I'm going to show up. And so Elijah goes up on the mountain. And so this wind comes on the mountain, and it, like, shakes the mountain violently, but God isn't in the wind. And then there's this earthquake, but God isn't in the earthquake. And then like this massive fire covers the mountain, but God isn't in the fire. And then comes the still, small voice of God. Now, there's all this discussion about what exactly this, this voice is, because some people think that the actual Hebrew word doesn't even refer to a sound that you could like hear with your ears, like an audible noise. And so some translators translate the phrase that God was in the sound of sheer silence. God wasn't in the wind. God wasn't in the earthquake. God wasn't in the fire. God was in the silence.
How long do you think I have to wait until it gets really uncomfortable? <laughs> 30 seconds ago. <laughs> Why is silence so unsettling? You ever notice that is, there's something unsettling about silence? Especially when you're in a room full of people and noise, and then suddenly there's, there's silence, and it just, it's eerie, isn't it? It can almost be so eerie. Why do you think we so often prefer noise? Two good questions, aren't they? And we're going to come back to them. Last Sunday, we began our Lenten journey to the empty tomb of Easter by taking a hard look at our busy lives, didn't we? We looked at our schedules. We looked at how busy that we can become. And today, we're going to look at something that often accompanies our busyness. It's all around. It doesn't ever seem to relent. It's noise. Are you surrounded by noise? Let's go to God in prayer. God, as we journey closer to the cross, and as we journey closer to Holy Week and the pain of death of Jesus, but the hope of the empty tomb. There's so much we need to look at within ourselves. There's so much that we need to see of how we've burdened ourselves with so many things that separates us from you. So Lord, as we seek to live an unburdened life, we need your help. We need your spirit. Guide us. And as we dig deeper into the story of the prophet Elijah and look to what it might have to say to us today, we pray that you would speak to us through these words, that you would speak to us through your holy scriptures, that you would silence any voice in us but your own, that you'd prepare our hearts, our minds, and our ears to hear your word for us. And Lord, I pray that as my words stray from yours, may they fall away and quickly be forgotten, but may your word, your truth, and your promise remain upon our hearts forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the saints said, amen. amen. So I'm going to start with this question for you. What would you consider to be noise in your life? What's the noise in your life? Henry? Your sister. He says with love, great love. Anybody else? What's the noise in your life? Children, yes. <laughs> what else? Your phone? As she's holding her phone in her hand, if you notice that. <laughs> Anyone else? The TV, yes. Anybody else? What's the noise in your life? What do you consider noise? Anybody? I myself have an incredibly noisy life. I live in a noisy world. I mean, as forementioned, children, I have two very active, busy young boys who do not know the meaning of silence. In fact, you can tell them to be quiet and they don't understand what you're saying. I have a TV 
Just like Leah was pointing out, that is blaring news and shows. We don't have cable, but we have Netflix. We have um, Amazon Prime Video. And we have an antenna, which still brings in plenty of noise. We have music playing in our house often. Very seldom is it just silent in our household. And when I'm driving places, I don't even sit in silence. I have music playing in my car, or I'm talking on my phone through the Bluetooth. I spend the majority of my time in public places, not having an office. Coffee houses become my places of business and work. And there's constant sounds of people and music and loud espresso machines. And if it's, that's, that's not enough, I often have earbuds in playing music or whatever while I'm sitting there amongst all the noise. And to boot, I talk for a living. So normally wherever I'm found is also the sound of my voice as I'm talking to people. I'm talking at you right now. And by the way, that does not give you permission to tune me out right now as noise. I have a smartphone, a laptop, an iPad, and I get text messages sent instantaneously to my Fitbit that hardly ever leaves my wrist. It comes off for me to shower, but I sleep in it because it monitors my sleep. I live a life of distraction with constant bombardments of information that I can't possibly keep straight. And at night even, we run a fan so that we can have white noise to drown out the rest of the noise so that it can lull us to sleep. My life is full of noise. It's full of noise, noise, noise. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you have noise in your life? One of the hardest things to do as a parent is to get your child's attention when you're surrounded by countless distractions. Am I right? Can I get an amen from the parents? Have you ever tried to carry on a conversation with someone in a loud room or space? It's incredibly difficult. It's no wonder we often struggle to hear God. We live in a life full of noise. And we're quick to blame God for His silence But could it be that we just aren't listening? We fill our lives in every waking moment, and sometimes even every sleeping moment, with so much noise. Could it be that God is actually speaking to us, but we are too distracted to hear? So for the sake of our conversation today, what is the noise in our life? So I offer this definition for our conversation. Noise is any non-essential message in our lives. Notice that's not necessarily always just an audible sound. It can be the noise in your head. You can sit in silence and still have noise, deafening noise, plaguing you, running through your mind, can't you? And so for the sake of our conversation, any non-essential message to our lives is Noise. That means that really good things can be noise if they're non-essential. It means your thoughts can be noise. And so as we look at the effects of noise, I think it's important, if we're going to talk about it, why, why even talk about it? Why, why does it matter? How does it affect us? 
I think to unwrap this conversation, we need to turn back to that Old Testament story that Henry read in part for us earlier about the mighty prophet Elijah. See, Henry read the most popular portion, the most quoted portion of that verse. You know, the, the, the fire, the earthquake, and the wind, and then the whisper of God. And we will come back to that portion, but it helps for us to understand the state of mind that the prophet Elijah was in as he approaches this mountain cave where he is approached by God. See, Elijah is fleeing from King Ahab, but more specifically his corrupt wife, Jezebel. You ever heard about Jezebel? You ever heard the slur? You may call a woman a Jezebel, and it's not a nice thing to say about someone. This is the Jezebel that we get that saying from. She was not a nice individual. And she was furious with Elijah. Well, Elijah had kind of killed some of her prophets of her false religion. So, yeah, maybe she was justified in her anger, even though he was probably right in his doing. I'm not condoning killing here. But she is intent on killing him. So Elijah, fearing his life, flees. And this is where it's really different because when we hear about the prophet Elijah, and he's referred to a lot in the New Testament, he has spoken up as this mighty character, this mighty prophet Elijah. We hear all the wonderful, amazing things that he has done, and this is not the Elijah we're talking about here. Actually, it's the very same Elijah we're talking about here because he's human. This time he's fearful and he's running for his life. And we meet a very different looking Elijah in verse 4 of chapter 19. So this is a little bit before where we read earlier. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Does this sound like the mighty, triumphant prophet of God? Elijah is so overcome with the noise in his life that it plagues him to where he drops into deep despair. Do you have a sense of what he might be feeling? Have you ever plunged into the depths of deep despair because everything is just so overwhelming? All the noise. So his fear and anxiety have pushed him to the point of wanting his own death. That's pretty deep despair right there, isn't it? So why does this matter? This leads us to our first truth. Noise desensitizes us and leads to despair. Why all this talk about noise Because it affects us, and not in a great way. Noise desensitizes us. I mean, notice how you begin to block out things when there's so much noise. I mean, how many of you actually paid attention to all the signs along the road when you got here? Anybody? Did you even note all of our signs that are out there? Rachel was the only person paying attention, it looks like, because she reads signs. But think about all the things we begin to tune out that we don't even think about. 
There's an air handling unit running right now. And chances are, at some point, if you're not listening to it now, you'll begin to tune it out and you, you won't even consider that it's there. Now you're going to be listening for it because I just pointed it out. Elijah's a victim of the noise in his life, and it has desensitized him to the point that it's interesting in, in verse 5, just following this, Elijah, you know, is under this tree in despair, wishing God would just kill him which is ironic because he's fleeing for his life, but then pleading for God to kill him. Okay, Elijah. But here he is, and in verse 5, we find that this angelic visitor visits him and asks him to eat and drink and gives him food and does it not once, but twice. Feeds him and waters him, and, and you don't get a sense of Elijah's reaction in the Scripture. It doesn't tell us really how he reacts, but you almost get this impression that he's just sitting there not reacting at all. He's so desensitized that he's missing this miracle happening right in front of him. An angelic visitor from heaven is feeding him, and he's just sitting there, a lot like a distracted child who's watching TV, and you put a spoon up to their mouth, and they just... This is how we have to feed Liam, by the way. So I see that look all the time. You can almost put anything in his face if he's focused in on a television show or something like that. You get the sense that that's how Elijah is so desensitized to things that he's, he's not even aware of what's going on. So I ask you to consider again the noise in your life. All that noise that you have in your life, how does it affect you? Does it affect you in very positive ways? Even the good noise in our life can be exhausting and tiring, can it? Noise can be so overbearing. Much like our ears can be damaged from prolonged exposure to loud sounds, our life can become damaged by the noise that surrounds us. We become desensitized detached, and it only leads to despair. So Elijah finally emerges from his stupor, and he decides to go to the mountain cave where we meet him for his divine appointment with God. And we learn in verse 9 There he came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Let's rest in this moment for a minute. Do we really think that God doesn't know why Elijah is there? No? You think God knows? He repeats this question again even in verse 13 later. Elijah, what are you doing? Why are you here? Of course God knows. God knows exactly what Elijah is doing there. And there's almost a sense that there's there's kind of two ways you can look at this statement. It's, It's like this divine rebuke from God of going, why are you here, Elijah? Aren't you supposed to be there? But it's not just that. Also, there's a sense that God truly does care about Elijah and wants him to talk about it and unburden his heart. 
when Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection on the road to Emmaus, they were depressed about the things that had happened in Jerusalem, the things being his crucifixion, his death, and all these horrible things that they witnessed. And they're walking along this road, and they mention these things, and he says, what things? Of course, Jesus knows exactly what things. He was the one participating in those things. But there's a graciousness to this question. He asks not for information, but to encourage them to unload the burden of their hearts. So there's a sense that God is asking Elijah to unburden himself. But what is Elijah's reply? His reply is this. I mean, because why not answer God with hubris? I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Isn't it interesting how Elijah chooses to reply? Who's the real subject of his reply? Me, myself, and I. Isn't it? I. It's, you know, I love the part, I, even I only. That's his reply. Me, 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 me. So this leads us to our second truth. Our second truth of this. The dissonance of noise distracts from God and points us to self. The dissonance of noise distracts us from God and points us to self. Did Elijah really think he could justify himself to Almighty God? Can we really justify ourselves to our Almighty Creator who is in charge of everything, is all-powerful, it is ever-present? Can we really justify ourselves to that God? He's voicing the noise that's plaguing his mind, isn't he? It's the me, me, me that's playing over. How this is affecting me. How's, that's where the noise settles in. And the noise of your busy life, do you find God? Is God in all the noise? Well, God is always around, but are you aware of God's presence in all the noise? Do you feel closest to God in chaos, in the rush, in the flickering screens claiming your attention, the mind-numbing shows you are binging, in the anxieties that you are replaying in your mind, and the voices that you are letting dictate your own thoughts? Is God really in all the noise? See, while Elijah was on the mountain, God passed by, didn't he? This is where we get to that Beautiful scripture passage. Can you imagine the grandeur of that moment? He gets to experience God. And commentators believe that it could have been the very same mountain where Moses experienced God. You know, hid in the crack and God covered it with his hand. And all he got to see was the mighty muscular back of God. Or that's how I always imagine because God is probably really muscular. And in this moment of pure wonder... 
A mighty wind rushes around the mountain, so mighty that it's causing rocks rocks to collide and crack. And then if that wasn't enough, it's an earthquake and then a fire. And in all that sound, all that noise, those mighty rushing powers, God is not present. Because where is God present? And after the fire... The sound of a low whisper. Or as Rob Bell pointed out earlier, the sound of sheer silence. God sent the wind, the earthquake and fire, but His presence was not found in these spectacular demonstrations of destruction. Instead, was in the still, small voice. Or as others translate, a gentle little breeze, a sound of thin silence, a light whisper. The psalmist urges us in Psalm 46 to be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. God is in the silence, not in the noise. This doesn't mean that God isn't around when the noise is. God is omnipresent, ever present, always around, everywhere, at all times. But we just can't hear Him through the noise. So this leads to our third and final truth noise happens, and intentional silence is the cure. Noise happens, but intentional silence is the noise. Noise is going to happen. It can't be completely avoided. You have kids, you're going to have noise, I'm sorry. It's going to be there. And even if you decide to get rid of the kids, there's going to be other noise to take their place. There's plenty of people in here whose kids are long and gone out of the house, and they'll still tell you there's plenty of noise around. The voice is in my head. There's still so much noise. And you see, the key to life is not to avoid the noise. To avoid noise altogether is to avoid life. But if we hope to hear a word from God, we can't live the entirety of every moment of our lives in noise. Even Jesus The Son of God, the divine person of the Trinity, still needed to step away and go to a quiet place and pray. And do you think in his prayers that he was always doing the talking? Do you have intentional time of silence in your life? key word being there, intentional. Do you have intentional time of silence in your life? Do you make space to listen? As maybe your mother once told you or a teacher one day, God gave you one mouth and two ears for a reason. You should listen twice as much as you talk. Do you listen? Do you ever fast from noise? Here we are in the season of Lent where so many people fast. Do you ever fast from noise? Do you ever truly unplug 
Do you fast from your technology? Are there times when the phone is off and off your person? That's a tough one in this plugged-in world. Do you ever go a day without checking your text messages or your email, watching TV? I'm preaching to myself just as much as you here. Earlier I asked the question, why are we so uncomfortable with silence? And I wonder if in part we are uncomfortable with silence because we are afraid of what we might see and hear. Are we afraid of silence because we are afraid of what we might see or hear? See, a life of noise lets us paint our own image, much like makeup allows us to cover up any blemishes or perceived imperfection. Silence, you see, is like looking in a mirror and beginning to strip away every layer of makeup to reveal what is really beneath the surface. We then have to face reality of who we really are underneath the mask. It can be a startling image at first because there is so much we don't like about ourselves, isn't there? If we're honest, there's a lot we don't like about ourselves. Yet, we do not see God in the person we create. It's in the person underneath all the layers of noise, the mascara, lipstick, and foundation. It's under all of that that we see the true image of God, the Imago Dei, the beautiful creation that God created. Intentional silence is the act of choosing to face our own demons and face who we really are in hopes that we might also find we are not alone. We have never ever really been alone. Intentional silence is deciding that we will let our maker decide who we are instead of letting the world shape us into who they want us to be. An all-loving hand has created you from the dust and made a masterpiece. Isn't that the voice we should be listening to? The one that truly understands unconditional love. The one who created you. Noise is going to happen. But we must understand the damage a prolonged exposure can have in our lives. Noise. We must identify the noise and acknowledge that they can distract us from being able to hear God. It's in intentional moments of silence that we can truly commune with God. Know the deep love of Jesus and be shaped by the power of the Holy Spirit. So brothers and sisters, may you find the time to escape the noise and experience the beauty of silence and the whisper of God. Let us pray. God, we pray that you would help us embrace the silence so that we might hear the still, small whisper of your voice speaking love, hope, purpose, and healing and restoration into our lives. 
Help us to find ways to unburden ourselves from the noise, to escape all the noise that is distracting us from you and desensitizing us to you so that we can know who we truly are. We pray all of this in the name above all other names, our Savior Jesus. Amen.